And this is View the Valley's podcast, season three, episode six, with TJ Hoover and Chris Smith. Well, TJ, it's been a couple weeks. Uh, yeah, took a holiday break. Multiple like, like holiday, holiday. <laughs> Get five weeks of vacation. Why not? If we can do the same thing for the show, we don't get paid. True. Yeah, I mean, uh, you've been doing a lot of PA work, so I know it's been mm-hmm. tough uh, trying to match up our schedules. So uh, hopefully the rest of the year we'll be able to get back to a week-to-week basis. Yeah, hopefully we can find some little bit of a regular basis here. So. But it looks like we got a lot to catch up on, a lot to dive into, a lot to look ahead to. Um, since I shoot, I think our last one was what before Thanksgiving, right? So before conference play, even in the NBC started. But now I've got my tickets. Well, I have my tickets ordered. That was my Christmas gift. Got my hotel reservations lined up. I guess to take to the tournament with me. I'm uh, putting my days off at work. I'm starting to feel the flow here. I'm kind of excited about having two full days of the NBC tournament that Thursday and Friday with them bringing all twelve teams to St. Louis. Now. You get a hotel room for that weekend, don't you? For a couple nights, yeah. Yeah, so you're all hyped up, ready to go. Probably got your uh, hotel lined out already. Yeah, I do. Saved myself a significant amount of money today. So, uh, my hotel cost and then some. I won't tell my wife. I'll just say, that's how much the hotel was. And So what you're saying is you saved some money to put towards the beer fund? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. So you're not going to really save any of it. You're just going to be able to redistribute it. Yes, redistributing the wealth. Okay, I like it. Yeah, um, I actually just got my work days approved for the OVC tournament uh, today. So sweet. Seems like we're both on the same path here. Yeah, we could not put on our days for the calendar year until the calendar year started. So today was the first day of work this year. And you threw them in on the same day. Mm -hmm. Here you go, boss. So you're taking them already? Like, no, I just know when I want to take them. So, what if they would have denied it? <coughs> I'm getting <laughs> sick. Go to my doctor. Like, hey, doc, I need to have a three-day pass here. <laughs> yeah, I got strep. Strep. COVID. Flu. COVID flu. I got it all. <laughs> Onomatopoeia. But uh, with that, TJ, uh, conference play just started, so we'll look at the conference mm-hmm. play. Um if you're looking at non-conference play before we dive into uh, the MVC and OVC conference play side of things, uh, what team maybe stood out to you the most in non-conference play? I think it's got to be Indiana State. Save for that kind of strange loss to Southern Indiana. I don't I don't think that's any slight against Southern Indiana, but the way Indiana State had been playing, it's like that was kind of surprising to see that after – you know, kind of the, the season that they'd have. But then in Southern Indiana turned around and lost to Chicago State as well. Uh, yeah, I think that's the biggest one that kind of jumped out at me. I, I think I probably expected Belmont to get off to a better start, you know. Um, and then Evansville. I, I Overall, I thought they were going to be better than this, but they're still struggling. I mean, they had, a, a, I think, a solid win over Bellarmine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I the cards were stacked against my liking this anyway, but with the play the way it's going, I like even less having those two conference games right after Thanksgiving and then going back into non-conference play. Sure. I just, I don't know, I just like it. Hey, you're in conference play, let's go. You know, um, so, but yeah, Indiana State's one that stands out to me. What about you on the OVC side? Who stands out to you? 
I think the team that stands out the most, and you know him better than really anybody because you see him a lot, mm-hmm. um, it's SIUE. Um, 10 and 5 right now. But even if you look at their five losses, um, which four of them were outside of OVC play, Purdue Fort Wayne picked to win their conference. That's not a bad loss. No. And it was competitive, lost by five. They did they put up 80 points on Missouri, um, who's off to a phenomenal start under Dennis Gates. Um, and then you have the MVC losses, Bradley and Illinois State. And both those were competitive as well. And they are a frog's hair away from tying that Bradley game. I don't know if you got a chance to see a highlight of that was at the buzzer, wasn't that it? Rayshon Taylor yeah. that they initially counted, but you know it's just it, it, and it was the right call. And then Illinois State, I think they should have won that game. They had that game in control and kind of had some issues there in the fourth quarter. I think that let Illinois State take that game from them. You know, it was a great atmosphere as they did that uh, outside of their own arena at Illinois State. You know, it was a pretty cool atmosphere, but. I think they should have won that game. And then the SEMO game was really puzzling to me to see how that came about. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get into that game here in a little bit. Um, I'll give you my thoughts. I, I think it's remarkable how young SIUE is and doing this. No seniors in the starting No lineup. seniors. I mean, you have the Wright twins who are red shirt juniors. Rayshon Taylor, who, I mean, really has only played about, before the season, what, about 15 games? Because he hurt his knee twice. You know, he's a redshirt sophomore. And the minor kid's a sophomore who just transferred in. You know, they're, they're really pretty young. <clears throat> Which, you know, looking at some of their some of their wins, though, I mean, outside of their win against Harris Stowe and St. Ambrose and Illinois Tech, they still have solid D1 wins. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously the SLU game stands out the most. Um, but Troy, Troy's mm-hmm. not a bad team. Right. Um, so that's a good win for them at home. But looking at that slew game, you know, they went 69-67, but I, it's what they overcame. Yeah. I and mean, what, were they down 18 in the down second 18 half? 18 and going a 32-12 to 12 run to finish the ball game. And, and, and I'll be honest, you know, I'm going to the slew game Saturday when they play St. Bonaventure. Um, I like slew. I think on paper they're really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I saw that matchup, I didn't go to the game, but when I saw that line come out, SIUE was plus 16. It's, I'm like, there's no way. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I understand maybe the odds makers, you know, SLU's really good on paper. SLU's done this, SLU's done that. And SIUE's big win at the time was against Troy. Um, but... SIUE is so much more talented than 16 points. And I, right when I saw that come out, I told one of the guys at work, I said, I said, the best, the best bet of the night is SIUE plus 16. Part of me, part of me wanted to just pick them outright, but I said, plus 16, there's no way it is even, you're even sweating that out at the end. Um, And so he told, he told some of his buddies, they asked him in their betting chat, oh, so what games you like tonight? Well, my buddy at work told me SIU plus 16 is a really good one. He follows the conference, follows how they play, and and all of his buddies are SLU season ticket holders. Like, well, we're not going to bet against SLU. We're all going to – so they all took minus 16 all and all lost. I mean, 
but just just a gutsy performance. I mean, they could easily have just put it between their tails plus or down eighteen in the second half. But um, Ryan Baroni's really uh, he's really turned the program around. Yeah. Now a team that I think to me has been somewhat disappointing thus far. Um, I think it's Simo, um, and basically yeah, I can see that. And some of the reasoning behind that being is, I mean, they got off to a five and one start. Um, you know, wins over South Florida, which at at the time, I mean, it still is one of their biggest wins I think in school history, just based off of the from a conference standpoint. Um, beat Evansville and then got that first win against Boston University around Thanksgiving, but then dropped a close one to UC Davis. And then basically got blown out by Milwaukee, real competitive against Missouri, 96-89, and then got torched by Purdue-Fort Wayne, lost to Arkansas State, blown out by Iowa, and then conference play started. Now, I say it's disappointing just because of the start they got out to, but they were battling some injuries there. I know their their starting lineup was in shuffles, um, shuffling guys in and out due to um, guys being uh, sick. I think I said injured a second ago, um, but due to sickness. And I think now they're maybe starting to find their stride again. Um, but we'll get into that when we start talking uh, conference play. But while we're on the point of non-conference play, you know, as I mentioned, they get blown out by Iowa, 106-75. And then Eastern Illinois turns around and yeah, has the biggest – I mean, unbelievable biggest win I think in college basketball against history. The line, against the line, yeah. yeah. The lines are considered they are the biggest underdog to win. And that was just days after Iowa blew the doors off of Semo. Oh yeah, just yeah, because the Iowa Eastern game was December twenty first. The other one was like the eighteenth, seventeenth, literally four days apart. And I mean, at the time. Eastern Illinois had an RPI ranking of, I think, 345. Nope, 356. That was their that was their Ken Palm ranking the day they beat Iowa. It was 356. Good Lord. And here, were, here was Eastern Illinois' wins leading up to that game. They beat St. Mary of the Woods, Blackburn, Uwe Pewey, and then Iowa. I mean, it's almost like they were just leading up to this. Yeah. You know, I mean, two non two non division one wins, then they beat probably one of the worst teams in college basketball, and then they just go straight to Iowa. Thirty three and a half point dogs. What state is St. Mary of the Woods in? <laughs> I'm just gonna guess Illinois. It's in Indiana. It's right as you cross the state line. Nope, see, shows you how much I know. At least that's why I, I I'm pretty sure. I bet your house on it, not mine. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> but now, since that win against Iowa, two solid wins to start conference play, 2-0. and We'll get into that here shortly. But I um, really like how Eastern Illinois is playing here lately. Uh, you know, maybe it all maybe it's all it took was to beat Huey Pewey, who ranks 363rd in uh, Ken Palm. Mm-hmm. But, well, I mean, we'll, we'll get into that. We'll get into conference discussion still. So outside of that, TJ, is there anything else you've seen in non-conference play that that stands out? Or I don't know. I, 
I mean, I know Drake's 11 and four overall, but I don't think they've looked as dominant as I would have expected. Some of that has to do with conference play. And it's interesting seeing Northern Iowa try to find themselves here, you know, post AJ Green, post, you know, they, they've had some turnover in their lineup. They lost Nate Heisey. It's really, you know, it'll be interesting to see where they're at in about a month. I mean, I don't think the UNI we're seeing right now is the team we're going to see a month from now. I don't think anyone's ever been watching Northern Iowa and Coach Jacobson play, you know, that believes that. So that that's what's interesting. And how, how long can Indiana State kind of keep this going? Is it one of those, hey, early season runs, we kind of stall out? Or is it <clears> real? And we, in a month, we're still talking about how well they're playing. Now, just kind of, it's not really off the beaten path, um, not really game-like situation, but did you see that news on Little Rock's floor? No. So their basketball floor, uh, I guess they had a water water pipe break, or, okay. or the water froze, uh, and it basically just tore up the whole floor. So pipe froze, then it probably burst is what I'm guessing. Yes. And then- now that wood is curled. Yep, that's exactly what happened. So I, I didn't look to actually see where they played, uh, where they played their last game. But um, I don't know if there's another facility that could host them in Little Rock. I mean, I highly doubt they they had gotten the floor, the floor ready to go before they, before that game against uh, UT Martin. Now maybe they did. Yeah, uh, looks like it was at Simmons Bank Arena, uh, North Little Rock. So, yeah, they did have to look like change arenas because their normal place is, I believe, Stevens Center. A huge facility, 18,000 seats. Yeah, it looks nice. Little Rock isn't known for bringing in big crowds anyway. I think that's sometimes it happens with a city campus, maybe not a lot of on-campus life. But yeah, that's a pretty nice-sized facility. So just a tidbit there, but uh, moving on here, TJ, uh, looking ahead to conference play on the Missouri Valley side. A little recap of what's happened here in the first couple games on the NBC side. I know it's been a little bit different than the OVC, having played those two games earlier, you know, in the season. Well, I mean, Indiana State, again, it's just been the class of the conference. Had a big win to open up conference play against Drake. Then they go to Southern Illinois, and they win there, so they were the – you know, and they're four and zero. No one else is undefeated. Uh, Evansville, Valparaiso, still looking for their first wins. Valparaiso, I thought was putting up some pretty good fights, and then this last weekend against Indiana State, thing the wheels kind of came off. Um, Coach Lodich in the Monday's uh, presser, you know, their their conference call said it was pretty tough for them to match up against Indiana State with Cricky out there, and um, Indiana State having four guards out there for them to play with. I think it, uh, Valparaiso is still kind of trying to find the right combination of players as well. Uh, you know, Illinois-Chicago at 1-3. and three. I I don't know that we're surprised that they're at 1-3, but they had a big win over Illinois State, you know, I, and they really kind of dominated the first half and kind of held on to win against Illinois-Chicago. Uh, Missouri State 3-1. and one. I think that, that was kind of always a question mark for me as to what they were kind of team they were going to be, but then they beat, uh, you know, Drake in 
Springfield just this last Sunday. And that was sure. And I don't know if you had a chance to see it, but there were two significant timing errors, like in the last 10, 20 seconds of the game. One is Missouri State shoots a free throw, misses, and the clock doesn't start when it's supposed to. I think it was how, how it happened. Okay. And then Missouri State's up three, sideline out of bounds, 3.4 seconds left. Throw a bad pass in. Roman Penn gets his body behind the ball before anyone's touched it and puts the shot up, airballs it. Looks like he may have been fouled, but maybe not at the end of the game type of deal. Clock started well before he ever touched the ball. So they go to – now, the time kind of ran out when they ran it originally. <clears throat> okay. So I didn't understand how they went back. They went to the video like, all right, yeah, the clock shouldn't have started. It's Missouri State's ball out of bounds again with 3.4 seconds left. Like, you just negated, in you know, Drake stealing the ball. And I, in the OVC, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but the referees – Every time a ball gets inbounded, they'll go to their hip. Yep. Um, yeah. They're starting the clock. The MVC doesn't do that. They're still relying on the old, hey, look at the, you know. And I, I haven't seen the replay where I can tell the referee if he chops it in. Like if you ever watch the referee has his hand up, that's what the, the score sure. is supposed to do is watch that guy. You don't look at what happens there. No, yeah. I'm just going to watch him. So I don't know if he got a bad signal, if he thought it honestly got touched. It was close. But, gosh, I, I don't understand why the NBC doesn't go to having the clock on the referee's belt. You think it'd make more sense because mm-hmm. it's, it's easier to control the game that way. Right. And it takes out the imp- the image of impropriety. Like, there might be, oh, yeah, it was a Missouri State guy running the scoreboard. Like, the, the, the guy's <laughs> not doing that. You have to be pretty dang good with the score, with the clock to be able to yeah. you know, to you know, sneak out seconds at that level. Oh, sure. No, that guy's not doing that. It's just he thought it got touched or he saw the referee chop it in. Well, and, I mean, there's so much reviewing now. I mean, the, trying to sneak a second off is almost meaningless, yeah. too. Yeah, you're just giving your team a free timeout is what you're doing. Yeah. So, yeah. And I, and I think, getting back to the topic at hand, I think Southern Illinois, you know, they think they've won six straight now overall and had a big win against Belmont on Sunday. They were down five at half, or 0 for 10 from three-point range at the half. And the second half, they turn around and make it an 18-point win. You know, to go down five at half and win by 18 is a, a pretty pretty huge swing there. So uh, I think Illinois State, they've been really competitive. I don't know that they've been blown out yet in league play. You know, so they're, you know, Coach Pedron has them right there on the cusp. Um I like to see if Murray State's conference schedule gets a little bit tougher. You know, they played Evansville on Sunday, and Evansville did not have a field goal until more than eight minutes into the game. Yeah, uh, just, there was like a, there was like a lid on the basket the entire time. Like they're, they're shooting layups and just the ball's not going down. It's like make your layups. Like I, I don't know what else to do. Like the ball hit the rim three times and just didn't go in. Yeah, Illinois State's biggest loss is six points in conference play. Mm-hmm. You know and. I think they're doing some good things there. So the energy seems a lot different. Uh, you know. So it, I think, um, was it 
Coach Alexander from Belmont described conference play as a bloodbath. It's just like I mean, it's just kind of the way it is, night in and night out. You don't know, like you know, they get get some close wins, and you know, it's just kind of the way it goes. Yeah. So, what kind of things have you noticed in OVC play so far? Well, I think it's, I mean, it, CNS, we get that win against Tennessee Tech, start the season. Um, I mean, obviously, I think they are, they are the favorites to win right now. Um, I, I think it's, it's with respect. Mm-hmm. I mean, their starting lineup is pretty good. Um, they even got a couple guys off the bench that have proven they can come in and, and give their starters some minutes and they don't lose a beat. Um, I think SEMO's win over them was, yeah, I mean, it was really impressive on SEMO's end. Um, SIUE coming off that win against Tennessee Tech, but the way SEMO, um, SEMO had been playing, you'd think that, well, they got to get a win at some point. They'd lost eight straight. Um, I had seen some tweets circulating when they had started five and one, getting votes to be ranked in the mid-major top 25. Um, but I mean, they did play a tough non-conference schedule. Um, battled some injuries, battled some um, um, sickness, but I think it, it shows what maybe kind of what SEMO is is kind of based around. They're kind of a gritty team. Um, you know, they're gonna they're gonna give you your best effort. Doesn't matter if they're down 10, 15, 20. Um, so I, I think SEMO's got I think SEMO's gonna have a bright future the rest of the season. Um, but I think SIE right now is the is the team to beat um, for good reason. Um, but Eastern Illinois, um, that, that's a team that I think should get a lot of respect right now. Yeah, the record doesn't show it six and nine, ranked three forty five in uh, Ken Palm, but um, they're all, they're on the right track. They've won four in a row, um, five of their last uh, seven, um, which includes a four point loss in there. Um, but you beat UEP, you beat Iowa, and then. You turn around, you beat Linwood and Southern Indiana. You know, both teams are now, you know, have transitioned into mm-hmm. Division One. Um, but I think what stands out the most, this kind of goes hand, hand in hand here with Eastern Illinois, with the home wins, and you mentioned it the other day, if you're playing at home right now in the OVC, you're winning. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's only one. Yeah, home teams are 9-1. and one. And the one is, uh, is it Moorhead State over Tennessee State? Yes. Yep. And and that's just not even in conference play. I mean, you look at the the road road games here: Eastern Illinois two and four, Edwardsville three and four, or SIUE, um, Tennessee State zero oh and three, Martin one and six, Moorhead State two and six, Southern Indiana and Lindawood both one and seven, SEMO two and six. And Little Rock and Tennessee Tech are both winless, 0-10 and 0-8. So I mean, if you're if you're playing on the road right now, I mean, it, chances are that it's not going to go. It's yeah, not going to go good for you. For sure. Um, but I think Moorhead State and UT Martin are also playing well right now. Um, tennis. Both teams just played each other. Uh, Moorhead State um, lost to Tennessee Martin, 64-57. Um, who? Lost to Little Rock before, and I was I was a little disappointed in that game against Little Rock. UT Martin really was never in the game. Um, Little Rock took it to him, went at eighty eight seventy four, and honestly, the the way that score ended up, it was even a bigger gap than what the score score ended with. Um, you know, 
Tennessee Martin right now. I mean, you got Parker Stewart, who's second in the conference in points, 16 and a half. Um, but you're really looking for that uh, the 2 1 punch down in Martin, um, Parker Stewart and KJ Simon. You know, both are averaging over 16 points per game. But, but honestly, now that conference plays here, I really think um, UT Martin is going to take a jump. Um, I mean, their wins, I think, are really going to start uh, piling up here. Uh, both were projected in the OVC preseason first team, um, player of the year, um, candidates. Um, I mean, the only the only player they're behind right now is Junior Clay of Tennessee State, who transferred from Tennessee Tech, and Tennessee Tech really could use him right now. Um, watching Tennessee Tech play at SIUE and then against Lindenwood, I mean, they're, they're looking for some offense right now. Yeah. Um, I know SIUE's got a good defense, um, but I think they had 51 points um, against SIUE. And then when they went to Lindenwood, um, what, Saturday, I guess, 64 points, lost 82-64. And Junior Clay, not only is he leading the league in points, he's also leading the league in assists. So I mean he's he's doing a he's doing a heck of a job down there at Tennessee State. Seems to be settling in pretty good, um, settling in good for the Tigers. Um, another name worth noting. Um, it's got to be the performance that Jacob Plakovich had um, for Southern Indiana against Semo. Twenty-seven, twenty-six, I believe. Twenty-seven points, twenty-six rebounds, something along those lines. I mean, absolute incredible performance. Uh, I think it's the most rebounds by a player this year nationally. Um, but nobody was really talking about him. Nobody was really talking about him nationally. He didn't see too much um, exposure out there. But he's the only player right now in the OVC averaging double digits and rebounds. He's averaging over 11 boards per game. Um, outside of that... Um, Philip Russell, Simo, fourth in scoring, averaging nearly 16 points per game. And then uh, Marcus Fitzgerald, Tennessee State, uh, rounds out that top five at 15. But same could almost be said for Philip Russell. You know, he's fourth in scoring for Simo, but also um, set, or fourth in scoring in the league and also second in assists. So he's a guy that likes to get his team involved, love watching him play. He's very energetic. Um, glad he was able to – stay at SEMA because there was a there was a time during this offseason I kind of thought he was gonna he was gonna leave when everybody else left right SEMO and and he's a he's definitely a good piece to build around um but other than that TJ uh looking ahead to what's ahead for the Missouri Valley why don't you go ahead first what what games are you looking forward to let's go let's say what uh Thursday we have January 5th games coming up what games stand out to you so, for January 5th, well, January 4th, uh, Lindenwood plays right. at Little Rock, so we do have that game Wednesday. I didn't figure that was one of the two. Uh, it's not. Okay. I mean, I know, no offense to those teams, I just don't think that's the one that's like, if I only had one ESPN Plus stream, that wasn't the one you were choosing. So, I, honestly, I think the I think the game that is going to be most notable, and, and for good reason, you know, nationally televised, Tennessee State at SIUE, I think, what, ESPN News? Yes. ESPN News. Central too. Um, Tennessee State's got a lot of talent. Um, they were another team that some national riders were picking to win the OVC. 
Um, I think that'll be that'll be a good test for both teams. Um, Tennessee State's a big team. Um, I know SIU's got some size, um, but I think with SIU being at home and being that defensive-minded team, and I will say, watching that Tennessee Tech game, man, SIU was dominating the offensive boards, it seemed like. Like, Tennessee Tech could not get a defensive rebound. Right. So I think if Tennessee State wants to come in there and snag a win, it's going to come down to rebounding. I didn't see the stats, but it definitely had that same feel. that It just felt like every time that, you know, one of the Wright brothers or, uh, you know, Terrence Thompson was coming down with a board or D1 Pruitt, just like every time it felt like, SIU, he found a way to get a second, third, fourth chance. I think that was really a huge difference. I think the other one you look forward to on Thursday is SEMO UT Martin. Yeah. Eight o'clock tips. I mean, conceivably, you can watch the, you know, Tennessee State SIUE, then flip over and watch Southeast Missouri UT Martin. I think it'll be interesting to see SEMO going on the road again. UT Martin, can they defend <clears throat> home court again like they did against Moorhead State? So that's those are the two that stood out to me. Thursday night, those first games this week. Um, looking at Saturday, is there any one of those that you kind of like, or does it seem like I, none of those really jump out at me? Like I've got to watch them. Yeah, and I mean nothing really jumps out. I mean, I, I think if the one that would maybe watch the most, I think it'd have to be SIUE in Southern Indiana because okay. honestly, you're just not sure what you're going to get out of Southern Indiana. They they beat SEMO and then they lose to Eastern Illinois. They beat Carbondale, they beat Indiana State, and then they lose to Chicago State. Now, Chicago State's better than what they've been in years past, but to me it's just kind of a – you're not entirely sure which offense right. you're going to get because I know they do get a lot of three-pointers. Yeah. I, I think what I would look at there for Saturday is going to be Eastern Illinois at Moorhead State. Ooh, first one to 40 wins. Because Eastern Illinois goes to Tennessee Tech, I think – I mean – I'm putting money on either one of those. I'm putting it on Eastern Illinois, even though it's on the road. But I think that's the first a kind of tough road test in conference play for Eastern Illinois. Their first two games were at home. Now they have to go to Moorhead. So according to Ken Palm, Eastern Illinois' adjusted offensive efficiency ranks 354th. Is that bad? That's not good. Okay. Coach, I'm just saying it's a dub. Yep. Moorhead State is 308th. It's going to be a slow-paced game. It's like they're missing their best player from the last two years. Yeah, I, that that was yeah, that was one area that I was looking to see how Moorhead State would do. You know, uh, Janai Brew. But now they were still slow-paced last year. They just really focused on defense. They had to slow and get through it too when they got in trouble. Exactly. Shot clock. Yeah, no. But uh, I am looking forward to that game. I'm really looking forward to see what the over/under line on that would be. Um, yeah. If I had to guess, it's going to be in the one twenties, and that's even maybe that may be pushing. It may be like one teens. So you don't think they'll both score in the sixties? I do not think so. I so Eastern Illinois and Lindenwood was what fifty five, fifty four. I think it's going to be almost mirroring that that score. If I had to, but then Eastern Illinois put up ninety one against Southern Indiana. I know it, it's it's they put up ninety against Iowa. Yeah, so, I mean, they can fill it up when they want to, I guess. Or they need to. Jeez. <laughs> but, no, I mean, yeah, I can see why you'd look at the Eastern Illinois game there. I just um, need to see, like, can Eastern Illinois back up what they've done so far? That's kind of the way I've looked at it. 
Sure. Um, outside of that, though, uh, looks like I think ESPN released or the OVC released another wild card game for the OVC. Looks like Little Rock and Southern Indiana will be televised. I think it's on ESPNU uh, Thursday, January twelfth. So that'll be that next uh, nationally televised game for the OVC. But what about on the uh, Missouri Valley side? It's I think looking at this week, and they have all six games are on the same day, both Thursday, Wednesday, and Saturday. I think the one that jumps out. First of all, is Drake going to Southern Illinois? Drake's 0-4 on the road this season. Haven't won a, a true road game yet. Um, you know, which Southern Illinois team is going to show up? And honestly, I think SIU could win this game by 15 or they could lose it by 15. I wouldn't be terribly surprised. That doesn't mean that my attitude would be the same. But <laughs> I, it just it, it feels like it's like the first half of that Belmont game. When somebody's not shooting well, they're all not shooting well. Yeah, it's just it seems to be contagious in a bad way. And then the other one is Bradley going to Murray State. I think that one could have some significant consequences going down the road here. They're both three and one in league play right now, if I remember correctly. And uh, you know, I think that could be a huge, huge factor going down. You know, as we look down the the road here, especially when you're looking at seeding. Yeah, they're both three and one. So, I mean. You're looking at if Southern loses to Drake and then, you know, the winner of the Bradley-Murray game, Missouri State's got Evansville. So you got kind of a backlog of those top five teams. And then where do you go from there? So uh, then Belmont at UIC is worth kind of a, a look just because of the way Illinois-Chicago's played. You know, they played some tough games. You know, and like we talked about earlier, Illinois State's played tough every game this year in, in league play, and they, they're hosting Indiana State. Uh, Saturday, probably Missouri State at Belmont, and then Murray State at Drake. So, the, you know, two of the newcomers, those are two games that, you know, to see. I'd, I'd be interested to see how Belmont matches up with Missouri State's athleticism. Donovan Clay looked really good this last Saturday against Drake. Can you keep that up? Uh, when they go on the road there. So, and then how does Murray State just to, to go into Drake? I mean, Murray State's, you know, we say all this history that Murray State's had, but none of those kids have been there. Yeah. You know, other than just the two of them. So, how do they just go in, into Drake and the atmosphere that they'll see there on Saturday night? Now, real quick, did you watch that uh, Slough and Drake game when Drake went to Slough? No, I did not. And that was a game I really thought um, Drake had. Um, they were winning, damn, damn near most of the game. Um, double digits got close. If, I don't know if they got all the double digits. Shoot, I was there. But And then just towards the end, it's just, just like everything started rolling. Slew's way. Drake couldn't get a shot to go in. Didn't DeVries miss three free throws? Yes. With no time on the clock right before the half. Yep, got fouled and... Yeah, I didn't make one of them. But could make everything else out there. I just, I, I just like Drake, you look at their line, they have so many matchup problems for you. Like, who guards, the, you know, DeVries? Somebody's got to be a big body inside with Brody. Yeah. He's a monster. And then Wilkins and Penn at the guards. And yep. Sturts is so versatile. Like, you might think, like, hey, we don't really need to guard him, but all of a sudden he's got, you know, five offensive boards, 12 points, and, you know, just... Causing problems for you. Oh, I mean, and, and they're quick. 
Mm-hmm. They can get up and down the floor, and they are quick. Um, but outside of that, TJ, any uh, anything else that's notable uh, worth mentioning? I know you're disappointed your Ohio State Buckeyes lost on, on Saturday. But we could not have asked for two more exciting games until yesterday at the end of the Cotton Bowl. Did you see that Tulane come back against USC? I didn't watch the game, um, but I did see highlights. We I, we just had it on the last few plays. It's like, oh, look, they're down. What was it? 15. Or was it 16? But they score. They kick off. Goes through the, the kick returner's hands. It goes out of bounds at the one. So they're down eight. They get the safety to make it a six-point game. And then they have a, a play into the end zone that initially gets called incomplete yeah. and goes to review. And they win the stinking game after they were just down, I guess it was, what, what would that have been? 14 points, 15 points. Well, and, and I don't even think that that just goes along the same narrative. They were awful last year. Absolutely terrible. Yeah. And then... This biggest turnaround, I think, in college football history. A lot of people are crediting the portal. That's you know, with t- hey, tip your cap, TCU. Sure, that they, you know, Sunny Dice was able to kind of reload quickly, quickly, quickly. <laughs> you know, so I know there are negatives to the portal, but I think it benefits kids. It 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 benefits kids. It benefits Power Fives. Um, and you know it may it benefits kids in an aspect maybe they they can't go power five but maybe a certain situation's not working out for them and they want to go find something better you know it, it, it's hard to not get that um, but I do think in general it, it may hurt you know it, it kind of hurts mid majors but at the way. same time you have those kids that are hey I wasn't getting as much playing time as I thought I had already developed a relationship with you guys that what do you say I come and play for you now. Yeah, that's also you know a kid that maybe he's too good to be a mid-major player, but not good enough to be a power five. You know, in in major league baseball, we call him a quadruple A player. You know what I mean? Like those are the kids that you know. And I just and I know a lot of people are like, oh, kids should be more loyal. Like that 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 street runs both ways. Yep. There are plenty, and I would almost say more conversations of the head coach going like, hey, Chris, we love you. You're just not going to get many minutes here. Yeah, I mean, you're they're honest with you, and you know, is it helping me as a coach that, that you you decide to go play someplace else and I have another roster spot? Yeah, but if I'm honest with you, and I love you, man. I, I don't you date my daughter. I don't care. I, you're not going to get minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think a lot can be said for that too. I mean, you know, if you're if you're college hoops and and you, you want to play, mm-hmm. I mean, you'd rather go somewhere where you're going to get minutes and you're not mm-hmm. going to sit four years on the bench. Right. Um, you know, but everybody has their own opinion on it. I mean, sometimes you see on Twitter that it's like, Joe Blow will be like, I mean, what are we teaching kids these days just to give up and quit? Yeah. Like, but I mean, I think it's all, it's all full circle. You're not in their shoes and you don't know what actually transpired for that right. person to leave. Mm-hmm. You're just saying, you oh, so-and-so entered the transfer portal, so-and-so 
committed to a different school. Yeah. It's just, yeah, I think there's a lot of times that kids like, yeah, I was going to be here for four years. And all of a sudden they're leaving like, well, why was that? Like, well, like there's reasons. And one of them is a coach told me that there's not much room for me. Speaking of the Twitter, the, the keyboard warriors, I don't think we talked about this. Okay. But John Rothstein, whenever a team pays a school to come play them, the epitome of brutality. The epitome of brutality. They lost the bye game. I think it was Middle Tennessee State lost the bye game to Chattanooga. Okay. I think this is what we talked about. And that Rossi went on, like Middle Tennessee State lost the bye game to, to Chattanooga. The epitome of brutality. The number of people that don't know that a B-U-Y <laughs> game means that School A paid school B money to come play them. Not B-Y-E, it's an easy game for them to win. Yes. Like, if I paid you to come over to my house and play darts and you beat me, that's an extra level of embarrassment. Yeah. Not embarrassment. But disappointment. Disappointment, yes. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. I mean... And then to go on social media with the confidence that you knew what it meant. I think there's a Reddit thread called "confidently incorrect." Yeah, and, <laughs> and people people do it every week. Now some of them some of them are worthy, you know. Like mm-hmm. if okay, like everybody had a right to blast Iowa, mm-hmm. Eastern Illinois, thirty two and a half point dog. If you're an Iowa fan, epitome of brutality. That's a game. You're, no offense to Eastern Illinois, mm-hmm. but that's not a game you should lose. Yeah. But. And then you paid them money. Yeah. They don't beat you. Yeah. And probably a good chunk. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that that's like, that that's like what we talked about earlier. I mean, Eastern Illinois playing St. Mary of the Woods. You know, they're not, they're not giving St. Mary of the Woods what Iowa probably gave Eastern. No, no. But they're still giving them, yeah. you know, probably yeah, think, a decent amount. I think there are even conversations where in Eastern's playing at St. Mary of the Woods, like, Hey, in our league, we're going to see this. Would you mind playing this defense? Now, St. Mary of the Woods may not play that defense at all, but okay, well, we'll do it for the check that we're getting. Sure. And yeah, that's our kids possible. get to play a Division One school in a game they're not expected to win anyway, and 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 I don't think that counts towards their record either. In the in AI, so. or I think it's just an exhibition Could be. for them, so it's no loss to them anyway. They're mm-hmm. just getting check and. Yeah. There, now, there was a team. Ah, who was it? It Somebody in the OVC played a school. That, actually, I think it was SEMO. SEMO um, played, was it William Woods, I'd like to say? Uh, yes, William Woods. They didn't play any of their start, starting five all game. SEMO did no, William Woods. William Woods so SEMO played their backups all game. They, their starting five did not touch the floor. I don't know. But that that was something that was um, Eric Sean, SEMO's announcer. Um, he mentioned it on air. Hmm. Um, yeah, they, they did not touch the floor. Interesting. So I I don't know if they were, you know, didn't want guys to get injured. I mean, I guess I see that, but. But if you're going to go there, I mean, you, I've never seen a team rest their starting five in a game like that. No. I, like I said, I thought it was, I thought you were talking about SEMO at first. Yeah, no. 
Yeah, I'm I'm ninety nine percent sure it was the Seymour William Woods game that that happened in, but nonetheless, uh, one quick thing I did want to mention before we signed off here: um, Tennessee State five players averaging ten or more points per game, so well balanced, and actually six averaging nine or more points per game. I mean, so they are they're filling it up. They're filling it up. Some serious ink on that stat page. To quote Finding Forrester. So, I mean, you'll get to see that, uh, what, this week. So, But with that, TJ, um, I don't have anything else. Do you have anything to add? No, I'm just looking forward to that national championship game. The FCS one on Sunday. And the college football playoff. I'm not watching. I'm not. That, that missed field goal right as the new year hit. I'm like, well, that's... I feel bad for that kid. I feel bad for that kid. I feel bad for the center for Michigan. It was a terrible two play calls leading up to that kick. They had two plays to get additional yards. Well, first they ran it to the left. First, I don't know why you wouldn't try to run it towards the middle. Try. Oh, I guess maybe, but, but they threw it to the right the next. Yeah, times. but then you had. Yeah, that's it. Um, I'm not a football coach. Don't know much about it. Just Ohio State fan ticked off. Go TCU. But, uh, Any day that Ohio State loses is a good day. <laughs> With that, that wraps up Episode 6 here on View of the Valleys. For TJ Hoover, I am Chris Smith. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to tune in next week as we roll on with Episode 7 here on View of the Valleys. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, and SoundCloud. And you can give us a follow on Twitter at ViewValleysPod. Hope everybody had a good Christmas and Happy New Year. Enjoy the rest of enjoy the rest of the week. Have a good one, everybody.